for episode 116 of the Cricket Hair Weekly. We're back. We're a bit croaky. We're a bit tired. And um, yeah, sorry that we didn't manage to record last week. I completely lost my voice. And then Sid completely lost his voice because I brought back the Rona from Chicago. So sorry about that, Sid. All is forgiven. In sickness and in health and all that. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So we'll try and get through this week's um, episode without um, one of us descending into a coughing fit. We'll see how we get on. Do you remember how to do this, Raf? Um, I think we have to talk, don't we? Okay. Without hesitation, <laughs> repetition or deviation. Oh no, I can't do that, sorry. <laughs> I have to say, I think that we are, um, or have been in good company though, because um, it seems like over the last couple of weeks, half of the England team have gone down with COVID, um, or either COVID, or officially, according to the media teams of the, re of the media people of the regional teams, illness or unwell, which we know what that means, guys. You don't really, really, don't really need to cover it up. Anyway, okay, lots to talk about, Sid, because we've got two weeks worth of news. So sorry if some of this feels a bit old, but let's let's just dive right in, okay? So first up, um, we did talk about coaching moves in the last episode we did, I think, um, but more coaching moves, but this time it's assistant coaching moves, which is kind of subtly different and quite interesting. So um, Ben Sawyer, um, the Australian, assistant coach or one of the Australian assistant coaches under Matthew Mott is moving to become the head coach of New Zealand women um, and also Tim McDonald um, who has been our assistant coach in England under Lisa Kitely um, is disappearing after the Commonwealth Games back to Australia so that's quite interesting isn't it Sid? Yeah I think we've got two interesting moves who should we talk about first? We should we talk about Ben Sawyer? Yeah. I guess that um Probably there's an element of disappointment, perhaps, that he didn't get the top job, that Shelley Nitch got not got, got the, the nod in terms of like an interim appointment. Yeah. And you think now, you know, even if he applied for the top job, he's not he's not going to get it. Um, you know, if he applied and him and Shelley were the only people that applied, then I think she'd obviously get it because she's obviously she's the one that the they job. believe in. Mm, um, so, you know. I guess that, that is possibly that's got something to do with it, but also, you know, I mean, it's a great opportunity to kind of shape New Zealand's future. Um, you know, they have kind of taken some decisions out of his hands though, haven't they? Even yeah. before he gets there, they've gone, okay, you know, you, you can come in, but we've already made some key decisions for you, retiring some yeah, top players. and picking up the pieces could be a bit tricky for him, I think, because there's been some really bad PR around those. Yeah, and there's no doubt some, some, you know, some upset people, yeah. you know, well, we know that Amelia Kerr is, is among them, but, you know, let, let's see how he gets on with that. I mean, it's, you know, and it's a fantastic opportunity for him to, you know, move on and advance his career. Um, yeah, so there's that one now. You know, Tim McDonald, for example, is very interesting, it's, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we know that um, he moved to do this job in um, with the England team um, because he'd worked with Lisa Kiley in Australia, um, and she wanted him by her side while she was doing this um, this particular job. Yeah, I mean, he's been her sort of, you know, I guess sidekick's probably the wrong word, but you know, her. He, He's been her loyal assistant for many years now, I believe, and um, you know it's it's going to make it difficult for her because she's going to be mm -hmm. used to having him around, used to you know uh, being able to kind of you know chew the fat with him yeah. and talk through things with him. You know, it takes a long time to build up the kind of relationship where you, you know you can you know have really honest conversations with someone that's your assistant. You know, someone just coming in, you know, you. you you're always kind of you've got much more of a sort of relationship where you have to kind of be careful about what you say and 
um, you know, whereas someone that you've known for a long time, that you know exactly what you can say to, and you know, you know you can make mistakes with, and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to make Lisa Cutley's job a, a little bit more lonely, yeah. I'd have thought, and it's going to make it kind of harder for her. But I guess that when you do have, you know, a long a long term assistant, there's always the risk that you know that, that at some point they're going to want to you know break out and, and go off by themselves, and you know that seems to be what's happened here. And he's obviously had a an opportunity to return back to Australia. Uh, and you know, work in a senior job in the BBL, and you know, good luck to him on that. And this is absolutely not me calling for Lisa Kitely's head, but to me, um, the fact that he's announced that he's going back to Australia after the Commonwealth Games strongly suggests to me that Lisa Kitely herself is not going to be far behind. I think she's, um, I think it's been difficult for her to do this role during the pandemic, not being able to get home as much as she would have liked. It's hard, as, um, and in any case, being away from home, but doing it during a pandemic um, when she's not really been able to see her partner very much I think that's been very hard and so I wouldn't be surprised if England are actually going to eventually end up recruiting for a new head coach and a new assistant coach almost at the same time as a team um, that's yeah. just a, a possible prediction okay so that's coaching moves um, another big bit of news actually this one's been a bit more recent this has just been in the last few days I think that we've heard this um, so Mitali Raj has officially announced her retirement from international cricket um, now I can't say that this was a surprise um, I think it's something that we've been expecting ever since the end of the World Cup um, but now she has decided um, that the time is right for for her to announce it um, and yeah, um, somebody who is going to be quite strange um, to, to actually be following Indian women's cricket without her, um, without her being a player. She's been playing ever since I've been following women's cricket, ever since you've been following women's cricket. Well, in your second iteration, she wasn't playing back in the 70s. Um, and, but although she does, it does feel like she's been around forever, I think so she made her debut in 1999. I mean, that's just a ridiculously lengthy career. It's literally um, a different century. Yeah. Um, and really has kind of um, sort of straddled these eras and, and seen a lot of change in Indian women's cricket, the big one being the introduction of professional contracts in 2016. Um, and arguably, um, she herself has been kind of instrumental in um, developing a higher profile for women's cricket in India, as well as everything that she's achieved on the field, which has been quite remarkable. So just wanted to start really by kind of slightly paying tribute to her. Um, I think it's been... Um, there's been some lovely things written about her, so I won't bang on about it for too long because other people have said um, some some great things. But yeah, fantastic. Yeah, player. one of the one of the greats of the game, like Jared Jared Kimber, uh, a great piece about how you know she was such just on a classical player that she kind of grown up in an era that doesn't doesn't exist in men's cricket at all anymore mm. and to, to a less and less extent it exists in women's cricket where people are trained very much from the MCC coaching manual you know her technique is you know straight out of the the, 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 the kind of coaching that that you know my father might have had at school in the 1940s um, you know it's, it's all you know straight bats and classical drives and you know um, it's like if you if you see a sweep then you shoot it <laughs> And that's actually served her really well for most of her international career, but perhaps... Absolutely, and she, she remains a beautiful player but, to watch. But perhaps has slightly held her back more recently as um, T20 cricket, for example, has evolved into 
um, a game where you kind of need to be being slightly more experimental in your shot selection? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like, well, I mean, I wrote a piece, piece today literally saying you should be scoring off every ball and saying that that was the problem mm. for the Sparks in the 100 final yesterday. What, the, 100, and the, the Charlotte Edwards Cup Charlotte Edwards Cup final, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, if, if you're playing that very classical thing, then that very classical thing tells you, you know, that there's a lot of balls that you do leave alone and that you, that you don't play, whereas you need to be trying to score, score off every ball. So, yeah, that, that does remain an issue, and Jared certainly acknowledges that. But I think it's, you know, it's worth reading as a kind of throwback to the, to the, the, the classical era, if yeah. you like. I'll always remember um, the, her famous put-down of um, this um, random male journalist ahead of the 2017 Women's World Cup. They were at Lords that, that day. No, was it, it Lords? wasn't Lords. It was it was in London at the National Liberal Club. Randomly, they'd hired okay. it um, for the kind of pre-tournament banquet where they got all of the teams together. I did not attend the banquet. I was not invited. I was not that important. But I attended the pre-banquet press opportunities where they basically got all the captains and you got you went round and got quotes from all of them. Um, and there was a couple of random um, blokes who turned up who really had no interest in women's cricket. I guess they may have been sent there by, um, I think it was an Indian publication, um, and and they said, oh, um, can you tell us who your favourite um, men's cricketer is from India? And she just looked at them just totally scathingly and she just went, would you ask that of a male cricketer? Would you ask him who his favourite female cricketer is? I don't think so. And she didn't answer. I was just like, yeah, like that's that's what we want to be hearing um, more of. And I felt like that was actually a little bit of a turning point in terms of Indian women's cricket. Obviously, people talk about that World Cup as being really transformational um, in terms of Indian um, women's cricket because they got to the final, they got all of that publicity. But that moment felt to me like she was trying to push on, push things along and go, hang on a minute, I don't have to put up with this crap anymore. Um, I'm... Um, not I'm too important for it, but the women's game is too important for it. And maybe there was a little bit of personal ego as well. I think, um, you know, maybe fair enough to some extent, like you're one of the best players in the world. You're not going to put up with crap in press conferences anymore. So that's going to be one of my abiding memories of her. And they have, of course, named a new captain. Yeah, they've they effectively done so because they've, they've announced their squads for their, the Sri Lanka games. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Harman Preet is going to be the captain going forwards. Mm -hmm. um, is this a smart move? Well, well yeah. I know you've got, I have, thought, I I know you've got thoughts on this opinion. Well, I mean, okay, so I, I, I said over a year ago that she should, have, she should have retired prior to the World Cup um, from, from a, the perspective of, you know, India's prospects, mm. um, you know, and, you know, my, so my opinions are well known there. Um, I think that they've what they've done is they've banked up more problems for themselves in the future. To be honest, Harman Prince—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's like Prince Charles. She's <laughs> Prince Charles basically. So she's now she's now finally inherited the throne, but she's thirty-three already. She's going to be pushing thirty-seven she really by, the, by, the time, by the time it comes to wow. the, the next World Cup, and it's like she's going to be too old. And your captain has to be somebody that you can guarantee selection in the team, mm. and that's fine at the moment. That's kind of fine. But are you really telling me that seriously in three years' time that you're, you're sure that Harman Preet's going to warrant selection in, in that team? And if she doesn't, then you're left with a really awkward situation where you've either got to go, mm, OK, well, we need to now, you know, a few months before the World Cup, we need to take the captain behind the woodshed and shoot her. <laughs> um, or you go into the, the World Cup with, you know, the wrong, the wrong captain yeah. and the wrong player batting at five in your team. And I just think that they've... they've 
kick the can down the road again and I think that this is the time they should have moved to the next generation. Now, they don't have to move to the next generation the way that I wanted them to. I said a year ago that they should have kind of totally skipped a generation and made the Jamima captain. I could still think that Jamima would be the best captain. Now you can have an argument with me that she might not warrant her place on the team in exactly the same way as some others, but I think that she'd be the best captain captain. Okay. But, you know, run with that, but they should have at least gone, okay, you know, let's bite the bullet here. You know, let's let's not kind of give in to this kind of this this sort of thing of um, where we always have to appoint the next person in line, almost like it is a monarchy. Let's not make it Prince Charles. Let's appoint Prince William, even if we're not going to appoint Prince George. I mean, Prince George would be great, but you know, I want Prince Louis. <laughs> Don't be mean. Don't be mean. Sorry. He was so cute. Anyway. <laughs> We've gone off topic. Shortly, shortly after this was recorded, Sid got carried, carried off by the monarchist Gestapo. Um, and on that bombshell, I think it's I think it's an interesting point that you're making about the captaincy succession, um, and I think that there's definitely. Um, there's definitely a big culture um, within India, if I may say so, of um, very much respecting your elders, isn't there? Um, to some extent, more than there is here. Um, and, um, you know, in many ways, that's that's a really nice thing. I think perhaps um, it has meant that um, people that, you know, somebody like Mitali Raj has maybe gone on a little bit longer than perhaps some people um, would have hoped that she would, and that maybe hasn't been the best for the team always. There was definitely a sense that Bristol last year during the test, it did feel a little bit like she was sort of going through the motions a bit um, and still was the captain then at that point um, of, of the test team. And you kind of go, oh, I don't know. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. And well, I guess we'll just have to see what happens when we sit. We will. Okay. Now, moving swiftly on, Raf. That's not to say they can't choose to play test cricket, but I don't really see it as part of the landscape moving forward to any real extent. Not my words, but the words of the chief executive of the ICC. A man so important that I've forgotten his name. Greg, Greg Barkley. Ah, okay, thank you, Raph. <laughs> Raph, um, they were, they were words that... I'm glad they're not your words, by the way, because I would have punched you in the mouth otherwise. <laughs> they were words that you were not happy to hear, were they? And on this, you have opinions. I do have opinions. Gosh, what nonsense he does to Oxid. Um, I love the way that he said, oh, men's test cricket represents the history and legacy of the game. It's what makes the game unique. Um, completely ignoring the fact that women's test cricket has been going, as we know, since 1934. Um, and has a longer history um, than many, uh, than, you know, women have been playing test cricket longer than many men's nations have been playing test cricket. So um, complete, complete nonsense, um, complete lack of awareness of the history of women's cricket, um, whereby women really played a lot of tests, really cared about test cricket, still really care about test cricket and still see it as the pinnacle format um, in the same way that it's viewed in that way in the men's game. How dare Greg Barkley come along and say, oh, test cricket isn't important to the women's game. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It shows a complete lack of understanding of women's cricket, of knowledge of women's cricket, um, of any kind of vision for the way in which um, women's test cricket could be part of growing the women's game. Now, I have to say, not remotely surprised, because this is what the ICC do, this is what the ICC have done, this has been their position ever since they took over in 2005. You'll notice that it's no coincidence that women's test cricket has been in slow decline since, oh, approximately 2005, when the ICC took over its running. Because 
they have always been against women's test cricket. They just see it as unnecessary expense and they don't understand why it's important for, women's for women cricketers in the same way as it's important for male cricketers. Um, so this isn't a change of position. This is reinforcing an existing position. Um, the, the, the last person um, to, to say anything like this from the ICC, I believe, was Belinda Clark a few years ago. And we had her bang to rights publishing a piece on the, uh, on our website saying, um, you know, she came out during the, the Sydney test, the Sydney Ashes test, saying, oh, um, I'm on the ICC Women's Committee and um, we're not that bothered about women's test cricket. We don't think it really has a place in people's hearts. Utter nonsense. Um, so it's not a change of position. Um, what's been heartening actually has been some of the reaction against um, what Greg Barkley has said. And I feel like this has been, this maybe does suggest that we are at a little bit of a turning point in terms of suddenly people are going, oh, hang on, we don't agree with you, Greg Barkley. We really like women's test cricket and we're prepared to come out and defend it. Um, and Brittany Carter has published a brilliant piece um, on the ABC um, all about this. Um, it's a she kind spoke of to some of the most important people in yeah. women's cricket and you. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, Sid. Um, that's, yes, well, I was certainly in very flattering company. Um, and she spoke to a lot of, um, a lot of kind of ex-players um, who are really, really keen to push women's test cricket because that's what they played um, and actually in some ways Linda Clark is a bit of an aberration somebody who played was it 15 tests for her country um, and is now saying oh but the next generation shouldn't be able to play women's tests um, but yeah so I think that there are a lot of former players who really care about this and who really want to push this agenda and actually it's resonating with the public and what's brilliant about that Brittany Carter piece is the ICC's lengthy statement at the end where they're clearly so annoyed that suddenly there's been this reaction to them. They're going, well, hang on, we've, all we've done is stated the position that we've had for like, um, how long has it been? Um, over 15 years we've had this position um, and suddenly people are getting annoyed with us, but we haven't done anything wrong. It's like, well, now, no, now people are actually starting to wake up, Mr. Barkley, yeah. um, that is, and that respond is a, to it. That is definitely a turning point. Yeah. I think that, you know, we're seeing, you know, people in the mainstream media actually come out and go, no, this is wrong. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're not used to being opposed on women's no, cricket. They're, they're used really to the mainstream not. media and, you know, people like yeah. ABC and the BBC just going, oh, well done. you're so wonderful yeah. about women's cricket. The ICC you know, are brilliant. The 100 is awful, but the women's cricket stuff is brilliant. Yeah. You know, this is the, the decline of test cricket is awful, but the yeah. women's cricket stuff is and, and suddenly is, that's not happening. And this is why they're annoyed. In yeah. that in that statement, they bang on about it. they're like, oh, we've done so much you for be women's grateful. cricket. Yeah, you should exactly. That's exactly the undertone. You should be grateful for everything you've got. Well, we're not grateful, and we want to break away. We want our own um, women's cricket organisation, um, and we want to run it ourselves because we probably do a better job, frankly. Have I rounded enough yet? <laughs> Can I just also say, so that was the women's test cricket bit. Um, <laughs> but talking of ignoring the plight of women and just <laughs> focusing on the men. Yeah, I mean, in this same interview, so um, Greg Barkley was interviewed um, on the, I think it was the lunch break of Test Match Special during the men's England-New Zealand test. Um, and so it was a, quite a lengthy interview and he talked also about Afghanistan. Um, and um, he was asked specifically about women's cricket in Afghanistan because obviously the ICC have this position that um, if there's no women's team then you shouldn't be able to be a full member. Um, and he basically said, oh, the, t the Taliban taking over and making death threats and forcing women the women's cricket team into hiding. It's just a blip in the process. It's just a blip in the process and let's just give it time. Really, really, Greg Barclay? 
do you actually, have you actually paid any attention to what's happening? It's, t it's one of two things. Either he hasn't paid any attention to what's happening, which I don't believe, or it's basically the ICC, as we've talked about before, they're washing their hands a bit and they're pretending it's not happening. And they're just going, oh, well, we can't get rid of Afghanistan men's cricket because it's a really nice success PR story for us. Um, so we're just going to like crack on like nothing's happening. Um, it's a total... A total kind of whitewashing um, of, of the situation. Yeah, and we'll I, leave the women behind. Yeah. We just don't care. Yeah. Very disappointing. Really disappointing. Absolutely pathetic, to be honest. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I am still quite angry about the whole thing, even though the interview was over a week ago now, but I'm going to keep being angry. Okay. Shall we finish on a more positive note? Yes. Um, so yesterday, um, we didn't manage to make it in person, did we? But there was a no, live stream. We were still testing positive, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so it was the finals day of the Charlotte Edwards Cup. So we had a semi-final um, between the Stars and the Sparks. Um, and Sparks won. And then uh, Sparks played the Vipers in the final. And Sid's a happy bunny this morning because Vipers won. And they were they won pretty comprehensively, didn't they, Sid? Yeah, a bit more comprehensive than they should have done. I've written a piece on Cricket Her about, you know, the the, the way that Sparks um, played in, the, in that final. And I think that, that looking back, they'll be disappointed with their performances. They left a load of dot balls out there, basically. Um, you know, going through the competition, they've actually been pretty good on dot balls. Um, you know, and they've, they've been looking to score a run off every ball, but they miserably failed to do that in the final. They just, you know, let, let, they let the, the, the situation, the, 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 they let the occasion get to them. Um, and they just didn't put enough runs on the ball, left middle order, left loads of dots out on the park. And that meant that it was easy for the Vipers, especially after Danny White came in and hit 20 off 10 balls. And, you know, Maya Boucher, you know, came in and played very positively. Um, but, you know, Maya Boucher wasn't actually smashing it around everywhere. She scored four fours, but in her 30, but she was actually running really hard. Every, she'd be like, hit, yeah. run, run, run. Yeah, and it was so, very the, the running, it was, it was, it was aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and it was so, so positive. And then it got to the point where, you know, by 10 overs in, it was obvious that all the, the Vipers needed to do was to just stay there and they were going to win the match because, you know, I mean, Sparks were also giving away a lot of, a, a lot of extras. Um, and, you know, Charlie Dean came in and she, she was clearly just like, well, you know, this is the final. Mm. All we need to do is win the match. I just need to stay here. Yeah. Uh, and Charlie Dean was quite happy to just knock the ball around, you know, give over the strike when it was a low risk to do so to Ella Mack, who was going, you know, at a more uh, aggressive rate. But she was playing her natural game as well. And absolutely crucial to the win. Not to be honest, if, you know, if if they wanted needed to get the runs in 10 overs, they probably could have done. Um, so you know, I it was, Ella Mack it was played a, it really was, well, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought that she played very, um, very kind of coolly and calmly, um, which was in marked contrast to the batting that we'd seen um, in the previous three innings, um, where it just all kind of fell apart in the in the middle order, as yeah. you say. So yeah. So um, there's now obviously um, questions being raised about this. Um, so so first of all, massive congratulations to Vipers. You can't argue they don't deserve it. They won every single match that they played in the competition, um, and and that is what is raising these the questions that are being asked because people are saying, are Vipers becoming the Australia of the English domestic system, whereby they're just going to win everything, um, and it's not going to be very competitive. They've now won three out of the four regional trophies that have been played so far since the new system was established in 2020. Um, you've got to say that they're going to be massive favourites to retain the Rachel Hayo Flint trophy later in the summer, um, although that's obviously hasn't started yet, so maybe 
um, things will go differently, but that's what we're expecting. Um, is this a concern, Sid? I mean, you're a Vipers fan, you're happy as Larry, so maybe yeah, you're the I mean, wrong okay. person I mean, to in some ways, I'm not massively concerned about it from a pure Vipers perspective, but no, look, I do care about the, the, the wider game. Actually, this question was raised by Mel Story, mm. who's, um, you know, does some work for the BBC on yeah. commentary, and is also a kind of Hampshire Vipers person. Um, she plays uh, club cricket with a lot of these, these Vipers players. She knows them all really well, mm. but she was still prepared to stand up and ask the question yeah. about, you know, whether this was damaging the game as a whole. I, I don't think it is overall. Um, and the reason I don't think it is, is because I guess the, the real answer, I don't think it is yet. So, um, you know, that, that Vipers team, you know, has, has obviously been very strong so far, but how much of that Vipers team, you know, is down to the kind of what, what Charlotte Edwards has put in, you know, and once Charlotte Edwards moves on, and she will move on, you know, be well, it we, next we year she or wants, she in two years' do, time. She wants to be an international coach and, wants, and she wants to coach England. She then. wants the England Good job. luck to and her. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that if Charlotte Edwards leaves and then, you know, things, say, say Charlotte Edwards leaves and decides you know, to hand it over to Anya Shrubsall mm. and then we're talking another sort of five or six years' time and they're still winning absolutely everything, then you might want to look at, you know, go, okay, well, things, things are in a situation now where we've only got one team that's winning absolutely everything. And it has to be said, this didn't damage Australia for many years, right? New South Wales won their um, WNCL for like 20 yeah, years consecutively, true. and it didn't yeah. really do anybody any harm. So I'm not particularly convinced it's an issue, but more importantly, I really don't see what you do about it. Yeah. We had a fascinating, it's worth it, if, if you're on Twitter, go to Twitter and have a look at the conversation that was started by Melissa Story that was also involving some people from Scrum Queens, the, the rugby website. Yeah. Um, because they've got similar issues where you know you've got the, the best players all gravitating towards one or two teams, and it's very difficult to address when you're at the end of the day. Most of these players are semi-professional at best. You know, if you've got a, a, a player, you know, if you've got Brianna Basher, that's you know at Hampshire f for for five years, she came up through the Hampshire well, age group. Brianna she's, Basher gets around. She does, she? Uh, and you know, and she's now playing for Vipers. She's she's yeah. bashing it out. Um, you know, and she's on her you know her her match fee contract. What do you say to her? You say, well, you have to go and live in Manchester now to, to, to be able to carry mm. on playing. And mm. she's like, well, but I live with my mum and dad and, you know, you pay me, you know, basically essentially a few hundred pounds a year to do this. We're not talking and, just uh, about going to matches either. We're talking about yeah. training, aren't we? Because if you're attached to a region nowadays, then you're you expected are expected to train, to train two or three times yeah, a week. Exactly. And, uh, so, you know, that, it's just not feasible when you're not paying these people. If you, if you were paying them a hundred thousand a year, yeah, you go, Brianna, you know, come to Manchester. We'll, yeah. we'll buy you, and we'll then, literally buy point, you yeah. a Flat and, um, and at that point, the ECB can direct people, and they can, you know, they they do this with the England players, don't they? To some extent, they've tried not to move people around too dramatically because people, you know, fan bases get attached to players, but they have fairly indiscriminately at some points. You know, Tammy Beaumont has been shifted around between domestic teams. I'm talking back to the KSL days here. Um, Sophia Dunkley famously was moved up north um, and you know taken away from every team that she'd ever played for in domestic cricket um, and put with a whole bunch of people who she didn't really know very well and I think probably found that quite difficult um, and then kind of you know moved back down south as soon as, soon as she could um, but if, when it's an England contracted player then the ECB can kind of do that um, but your, your England players still not massively keen on it not massively happy about it but as you say when it's amateurs um, people, by which I mean people who aren't being paid, then you can't do that. You just end up with um, people saying no, don't you? Yeah, and you'll just end up losing people, unfortunately. So it's it's a really interesting question, yeah. but as to what you actually do about it, even if you decide that you need to do something about it, the only way to do something about it 
is to have a lot more professionals paid a lot more money. And at the moment, that's just not realistic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a bit surprising um, in some ways, the, the dominance of Vipers. Um, I think um, for a few reasons, if you look at um, the way in which the regional system was set up, um, the least successful team, which in my opinion is actually what we should be more concerned about, is a team like Sunrisers, um, who unfortunately, I think you posted a chart the other day and it was all regional cricket um, since the new system came in and they've won one game um, in um, what is it like two, two, se two and a bit seasons? Yeah. Um, obviously, twenty twenty season slightly curtailed. Um, that's that's much more of a concern. But if you look at the way in which it was set up, Sunrisers um, were kind of a drawing on Middlesex, who were a Division One county traditionally very strong. Um, yeah, Vipers, Middlesex won the T Twenty Championship just before it was it the year the year before the last one, I believe. Yeah, that, I think yeah. so. Um, and and, know, and, and strong. Whereas um, and you know and it's whereas if you look at Vipers, um, obviously they're drawing on Hampshire, um, who kind of came up through the ranks and were successful by the end of the county championship. But there's no real reason it feels to me why Vipers should have been really successful. Um, when you're looking at setting up the system versus sunrisers be really unsuccessful um so it's quite difficult to kind of plan for and then when it becomes established we've talked about this before then um it's quite difficult to get away from because the best players are drawn to playing at the best team i'm a bit surprised though that um for example your players like somebody like charlotte taylor um who isn't contracted to vipers um and hasn't i don't think that she's played this this no, season, she hasn't played in any of um, she's been playing for the matches. second eleven, and they've been trying to organise more for the second eleven. But you would think, like, she would be an automatic pick in the in the Sunrisers starting eleven. Well, she would be for me. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that players like that haven't kind of slightly gone. Oh, actually, I want to. I think I'm going to go off and play over there, where I'm definitely going to get a game. Um, but like you say, it perhaps comes back to they don't want to travel yeah, she far lives away. Near, she lives near Southampton, yeah. she works near Southampton, she's and, got a decent job. Also, and... that, that this real kind of way in which Lottie at Vipers has managed to create a feeling that of loyalty to the team. It doesn't matter whether she's picking you in her first 11 or not, you still want to be playing at Vipers. That is so incredibly difficult to replicate. Um, and if you could, then you'd probably be a millionaire because, um, you know, that feeling that, that, that feeling where players have loyalty and they want to keep playing at your club, even though they're not going to really get very much first 11 cricket is amazing, isn't it? Um, how could we how could the ECB have predicted that when they were setting up the system? OK, so the answer is Charlotte Edwards, if you're listening, you need to submit yourself to human cloning for the benefit of English <laughs> cricket. There will then yes. be eight Charlotte Edwards all around the country. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> sounds brilliant, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an issue that um, we're going to keep coming back to, aren't we? Because I, I just can't see the dominance of Vipers ending anytime soon. Um, but yeah, those are some initial thoughts on it. Um, we've just clocked over to half an hour, Sid. Wow, this has been a wow. bit mammoth. Um, thank you very much for, for bearing with us while we've had the lurgy um, and for tuning in again and um, hope to actually be out and about some cricket over the next few weeks. See you again soon. Bye.